C. diff, spores, and more is brought to you by Clorox Healthcare, trusted solutions for your infection prevention needs. Visit us on the web at cloroxhealthcare.com. Welcome to C. diff, spores, and more with your host, Nancy Kerala. We are here to discuss C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and other related healthcare topics. Now, here's your host, Nancy Kerala. Welcome to the program, and we welcome our listeners joining us today. We would like to thank our sponsor, Clorox Healthcare, for making this program possible. Please visit the Clorox Healthcare website to learn more about their products, keeping environments safer, cloroxhealthcare.com forward slash C. Diff Radio. It's a great pleasure today to introduce our first guest, David, Dr. David Lyerly. Uh, Dr. Lyerly, Ph.D., is the co-founder and chief science officer at Tech Lab Incorporated. He received his Bachelor's of Science from UNC Chapel Hill and his PhD in Microbiology Immunology from Wake Forest Bowman Gray School of Medicine. He and Dr. Tracy Wilkins founded Tech Lab in 1989. Tech Lab focuses on innovative diagnostic solutions for C. difficile and other enteric diseases and intestinal inflammation. Along with Dr. Lyerly, today we have James Boone, who has his master's in science and is the director of collaborative studies, senior research scientist with Tech Lab Incorporated, a medical diagnostic company that focuses on cl- clinical essays for enteric and autoimmune diseases, including inflammatory bowel disease. And he received his B- bachelor's in science in biochemistry and master's in science in microbiology immunology in from Virginia. Polytechnic and State University. It was a pleasure at this time to welcome our first guest, Dr. David Lyerly. Welcome to the show today, Dr. Lyerly. Thank you, Nancy. It's great to be with you. And before I get started, I want to take this opportunity to thank the listeners for uh, coming into the program. And Nancy, to also thank you for your work and your efforts in organizing, overseeing the CDF Expo. I had a chance to attend it last November. You have a great selection of CDF experts, good range of topics, the individuals who presented their own experiences with CDF disease. So I want to thank you for that. And by the way, if I say CDI during this program, I'm talking about CDF cell infection. So Nancy, back to you. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Lyerly. We so appreciate your kind words, and we all work very hard um, organizing the annual conference in November, and thank you so much for that. And we're so glad to have you and James here with us today. And without any ado, I'd like to know if you wouldn't mind taking a moment to just share a little bit of your background with our audience today. Okay. Um, For my graduate work, most of my research was focused primarily on lung infections, eye infections, and after I graduated from Wake Forest, I was lucky enough to get a a position, a postdoctoral position, with Dr. Tracy Wilkins, who was doing some of the pioneering work at uh, the anaerobe lab at Virginia Tech. And um, I might mention the anaerobe lab at that time was one of three institutions in the world that were actually looking at the role of anaerobes in health and disease. So I went from my own lung infections to the intestinal tract. The work was really exciting because we were starting at such an early stage, we got a chance to cover a broad range of research. We covered pathogenesis of the disease. We ta- covered uh, purification and characterization of toxins A and B, 
primary toxins of the organism. Uh, we looked at toxin mechanisms. We developed ways to produce antibodies and reagents against the toxins. We looked at the genetics and so forth. So that's the way we all, uh, that's the way I got started with uh, Tracy at the Anaerobe Lab. Okay, well, we thank you for that um, nice information there. And um, Dr. Lyerly, we know that the Tech Lab was um, founded in 1989. Can you tell us how was Tech Lab founded? Yeah, one of the things that Tracy and his team did was to develop a way to produce an antitoxin against C. diff. And what made this so important was the fact that this was the first diagnostic reagent available for this purpose. They actually be used in hospitals as a diagnostic reagent. And what it did was to help confirm that cytotoxic or biological activity in fecal specimens in patients with, with diarrhea was actually due to C. diff. So we were producing this reagent, and in 1989, Tracy led the way as we incorporated TechLab, and we made the antitoxin reagent available from TechLab. Uh, initially, we were a microbiology company that focused on the intestinal tract. We did research for various companies, uh, primarily food and environmental. But with our backgrounds in antibodies and immunoassays, and because we had demonstrated the use of these immunoassays as diagnostic aids for C. diff, we actually morphed into a diagnostics company. We felt this was a proper direction for us and was actually a a more stable way forward for Tech Lab because uh, prior to that we had been relying on contracts from other companies. And we actually got burned a couple of times when contracts were pulled out from under us. So as we moved into a diagnostic company, we continued to focus and expand the work we were doing on diseases of the intestine. Uh, at that time, Tracy was head of the biotech department at Virginia Tech and I had moved over to Tech Lab full-time. And at Tech Lab, we continued to work on the role of C. diff and its toxins in human disease, and we continued to expand our work on diagnostic reagents for C. diff disease. But in the 1990s, we actually expanded our efforts into other intestinal diseases. We worked with uh, Dr. Richard Grant at the University of Virginia to study intestinal inflammation that occurred during different types of infections. We also worked with Dr. Petrie on protozoan parasites, and both of these uh, scientists are recognized worldwide for their work in this area. They published extensively. So it was a great opportunity for us to not only continue our work with C. diff, but also to expand into other areas. And so over the past couple of decades, we've continued to open new collaborations with other experts in intestinal diseases. Uh, we're always looking for new types of technology that we can bring on board, all of this in an effort to improve diagnostic testing. So this is the manner in which Tech Lab has grown and is continuing to grow. Okay. And Dr. Liley, has Tech Lab always worked on C. difficile? Uh, yes, Tech Lab's been the big thing for us. Uh, we, because of our background with diagnostic reagents for C. diff, we actually opened the doors at Tech Lab producing uh, these reagents, doing this exact thing. And we actually provided reagents to other companies for diagnostics. But outside of the area of diagnostics, Tech Lab has done extensive animal model work on new therapeutics. Uh, we developed 
specific technology for testing fecal specimens. And we have IP on that. But this is what we refer to as our quick check technology, and we developed it for testing fecal samples. Uh, a lot of people assume that because you have a test, for example, that can be used with a, uh, a serology test, you can automatically take that test and use it for testing a fecal specimen. But that, that's a simple approach, but it is not the way to go because it does not translate to a good fecal test. Okay. Uh, fecal specimens are a major challenge because they vary from day to day. They vary because of diet. Even a person who you're testing on a daily basis is going to show quite a bit of variability. There are a lot of degradative enzymes, inhibitors, and so forth that can interfere with all the different types of assays that are out there. So Tech Lab, in addition to its CDF work, has put a lot of effort into developing and optimizing ways to test fecal specimens. And we continue to have a strong interest in various aspects of CDF work. We have a huge inventory of CDF isolates from around the world. Uh, we have robotyped those. We're continuing to build that collection. Uh, we examine these isolates from all over the world for different properties, for example, whether or not they're resistant to antibiotics, whether they have unusual toxin mutations, whether they are able to elicit more severe inflammation, and so forth. So just as examples for that, we actually have been involved in identifying unusual toxins produced by C. diff, and we, and we also have been doing work to show that uh, certain rhodotypes can cause very extensive inflammation, even more than the ones that were initially discovered back in the 70s and 80s. So I'll turn it back over to you, Nancy. <laughs> okay, um, Dr. Wiley, before we um, break, take a commercial break, um, I understand that you are very active in research presence. Can you tell us briefly what you study? Yeah, actually, the reason I'm active in research is because of the scientists that I work with. They're really the experts pushing the research. But the basic premise for Tech Lab is to understand infections and illnesses in the gut. So we believe as a very important part of that, we need to continue our efforts on developing diagnostic tests that are sensitive and specific and make sure that they really are accurate. So we put a lot of work into protein chemistry for native recombinant antigens. We worked uh, with very detailed clinical evaluations for our products. We have a, uh, a top-notch manufacturing team with state-of-the-art equipment. We do everything going from basic microbiology and biochemistry to molecular biology, to clinical studies. Uh, the sites that we uh, work with are scattered around the world, and to give you an example of one that we think has been especially productive, we paired up with the University of Virginia and worked with the Dial Real Center in Bangladesh that probably sees 100,000 patients a year uh, who have diarrhea, so we've used that network to, to look at quite a bit of our, our work. Uh, most of our work is focused on the gut, but we also do some work that uh, on tests that doesn't really involve the intestine. So we work on foodborne illnesses. We work on protozoan parasites. We uh, have a new H. pylori helicobacter pylori uh, test. That's the organism that causes peptic ulcers and gastric cancer. We also do quite a bit of work with chronic non-infectious diarrheas, and we focus predominantly on inflammatory bowel disease and how to distinguish it from irritable bowel syndrome. All of these are FDA uh, clear products for all of these conditions. 
Nancy, I'll turn it back to you. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Wirely. Um, we thank you for sharing this information with our global listeners. And right now we're going to pause for a commercial break. When we return, we'll be continue discussing C. difficile diagnosis with Dr. David Wirely. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages from our sponsor, Clorox Healthcare. <laughs> Making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Because C. difficile lives on surfaces for weeks, because it infects nearly 500,000 Americans yearly, you need disinfectants you can trust. Clorox Healthcare bleach products, cited by more studies to kill C. diff than any other products. EPA registered to kill C. diff in as fast as three minutes. Trusted disinfectants to kill C. diff spores in hospitals, because even one C. diff infection is too many. Learn more at CloroxHealthcare.com. The CDF Foundation offers global community support sessions. CDF can affect anyone at any age, at any location in the world. Receive support from topic experts sharing information on nutrition, mental health, C. difficile prevention, treatments, and environmental safety. Get answers to your questions. You're not alone. Support is just a phone call or mouse click away. To register for a session, call the C. diff Foundation at 919-201-1512 or visit us on the web at cdifffoundation.org. Have you done any of these things today? Exited a restroom? Entered and exited a patient's room? Visited a doctor's office? Have you done this today? Washed your hands? Hand washing remains the single most important task of the day. It takes soap, water, a minimum of 30 seconds, and a clean dry towel to turn off faucets and dry hands to stop giving germs a free ride. Keep safe from germs worldwide. Hand washing, number one in infection prevention. For additional information on hand washing instructions, visit cdifffoundation.org. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to C. diff spores and more. If you have a question, please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org. Now, back to our program. Here again is your host, Nancy Kerala. And welcome back to the program, and we thank everyone for joining us today. It's a pleasure to reintroduce our guest, Dr. David Lyerly, here to discuss C. difficile diagnosis. Welcome back to the program, Dr. Lyerly. Thank you. Great to be here. Well, thank you, and we're so happy that you have time enough to share and be here with us today, too. And we would really like to know if you could tell us a little bit about your thoughts on the 2017 C. difficile guidelines. Those guidelines talk about an algorithm approach for C. diff diagnosis. And I think it's the word algorithm that puzzles people because what it means is that the interpretation is more complex because you have to use multiple test results. Clinicians will basically like a simple yes or no answer when you're using a diagnostic test. This algorithm utilizes several test formats. It complicates the interpretation, but it also provides the best accuracy. Uh, the European guidelines recommend the use of at least two tests for optimal results. 
Usually what they're talking about is doing a molecular test or a GDH test. And I'll talk about GDH in a little bit, in a little more detail, followed by a toxin test. This helps to reduce the false positive test results. Um, the IDSA SHEA guidelines recommend the use of a screening protocol for the specimens themselves. In other words, what you do is go through the patient's history to make sure the patient is not on laxatives, to make sure the patient actually has three or more stools a day and so forth. If you do this, then those guidelines say that you can go to a molecular test. If you don't have this type of screening protocol in place, you should use an algorithm approach, and the one they're talking about is pretty much in line with what the, the guideline from Europe says. So to me, the incorporation of this selection process for which fecal, uh, fecal specimens to test is the main difference between the two guidelines. And at Tech Lab, we continue to believe that toxin testing should be a key component of testing because it's the test when added to the algorithm that really jacks up the predictive positive value, which means it's more accurate for true CDI. So I'll talk a little uh, bit more about the different tests in a bit. Uh, Nancy? Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Lyerly. And yeah, if you don't mind taking a moment and explain the different um, lab tests, the first C. difficile testing, and what are the differences between them? The, uh, the other day I went back and I looked at all of the tests that have been cleared through the FDA for C. diff testing as diagnostic aids. And since 1985, there have been probably 55 or more tests that have been cleared. Uh, don't worry, I'm not going to go through all 55, but I will want to mention three categories. You have toxin immunoassays, GDH antigen assays, and molecular assays. Uh, the toxin assays are immunoassays that detect both of the toxins. Uh, they're designated, the toxins are designated toxin A and toxin B. These are the toxins that are responsible for the disease. If you don't have the toxins there, you don't get the disease. And this is why we continue to think that toxin detection is so important. GDH is a metabolic enzyme called glutamate dehydrogenase. It's an excellent marker for C. diff. But when we started looking at isolates in the 1980s and 1990s, we noticed the common protein produced by every single isolate. And when we did sequence analysis of this, we identified it as GDH, glutamate dehydrogenase, and we confirmed this uh, based, based on its catalytic activity. Key thing to remember about GDH is that it's produced in large amounts when the organism is actively growing. This is the reason it serves as a good marker for C. diff. The drawback is that it doesn't distinguish between toxigenic and non-toxigenic C. diff strains. Non-toxigenic strains and they're going to be uh, present maybe in very low rates in some institutions, but they don't cause disease, and so additional testing is required. Uh, most of the molecular tests that are on the market detect a gene for toxin B. There are some that detect toxin A, and some detect both of the toxin genes. In general, as a summary, toxin tests are actually more specific. The GDH and the molecular tests are more sensitive. So molecular testing and GDH testing can tell you if the organism is there, and molecular testing can tell you whether it carries whether the genes for the toxin uh, are present. But a positive result with either molecular or GDH does not demonstrate the presence of toxin. So we need to keep that in mind. Uh, there are gold standards 
about which these tests are compared and analyzed. Uh, one is a bacterial culture assay. Uh, the other is a tissue culture assay that you use to look for the biological activity in fecal specimen. Both of these require two to three days minimum in order to get a result. That's the reason nobody likes them. They're tedious. You also have to have quite a bit of expertise in order to do them. Uh, but I will say that we do them all the time as comparator tests. They work beautifully uh, when you do them, but as a diagnostic test, everybody's going towards the more rapid formats. Nancy? Okay. And Dr. Liley, um, outside of being more specific, what other benefits uh, are there that using a toxin test? Well, with toxin testing, uh, that is actually going to, that's, that's the one that's been studied in more detail over the past several years through different types of meta-analyses. Uh, toxin testing is the one that compares more uh, uh, favorably with clinical outcomes. One of the things that we're working hard on at Tech Lab is to look at clinical outcomes of patients who have C. diff present, whether or not C. diff is involved in disease, whether inflammation is present, and so forth. So we think that toxin testing, which compares more favorably with clinical outcomes, is a good predictor of true CDI disease. And that's been determined um, by several different studies um, uh, independently of each other. Okay, okay, and um, are pre-agreed sample selection criteria effective? Yeah, I covered a little bit of this earlier. I do think that the pre-agreed sample selection process, and keep in mind that that means that uh, you have to do a little bit of a review on the patient history to make sure the patient's not taking laxatives, doesn't have, um, or really does have diarrhea, uh, has more, three or more stools per day, uh, I do think that makes testing more accurate. And it, I think, in my opinion, it was put in place to make molecular testing more accurate. But also, in my opinion, I think that it works pretty well across the board with any of the C. diff tests. If you do a little more uh, careful evaluation of what samples you actually test, I think you can use that with any test that's out there. Okay. Yes. Thank you, Dr. Lyerly. And Dr. Lyerly, what are your thoughts about the rise of community-acquired C. difficile disease? Well, we used to think of C. diff disease as a disease in older hospitalized patients, and it still is. That probably will continue to be the primary patient population for this disease, but it's obvious that community-acquired CDI is becoming an issue. And there are several recent publications that show the numbers are continuing to increase and that this disease that we used to think of mainly as a disease in older people is occurring in younger patients and even in patients who did not take antibiotics. And people are speculating as to why this is happening. There probably are multiple factors. Perhaps there's greater exposure to C. diff carriers, uh, not only in hospitals but also in the community. Also, it's been suggested that perhaps exposure to new strains is occurring. Uh, I don't think that's the case, but it does help point out that we need to keep an eye uh, on new strains that are popping up at different places around the world. And I think rubber type 027 is a very good example of why it's so important to do this. Uh, 027 popped up back about 18 years ago, and we now know that this strain rose to higher numbers in patients. It, it's got a, uh, the way the toxins are regulated genetically, 
is the practice. So this strain actually produces more toxin in patients. It produces much more inflammation. And a key point, probably uh, one in which uh, is responsible for its spreading, is its resistance to uh, fluoroquinolones. So because of this, it's caused quite a few outbreaks, and it has killed quite a few more patients. Uh, there are new robotypes that are popping up. I don't think we've come across any that are quite as dangerous as 027, but we need to keep an eye out for this. And I do want to mention that all of the tests that we've covered, so the molecular, the toxin uh, test, the uh, GDH test, all of these tests will pick up these new robotypes. Nancy, I'll turn it back to you. Okay, well, thank you, Dr. Lyerly. And Dr. Lyerly, before we pause for the commercial break, um, can you briefly explain the different tests that we that are available right now and um, why the diagnosis of C. difficile disease is so challenging? Well, I'll start with a very simple statement. Um, the reason the challenge is there is because the presence of the organism and or the presence of the toxin does that mean, does not mean that you have C. diff disease. That's the big thing we have to remember. The organism or toxin does not equal disease. And the example that's typically used are infants, but it can happen in adults as well, but infants can have high levels of C. diff organism. They can have high levels of C. diff toxins A and B, but they hardly ever get the disease. So there's an example of how this organism can be present it can be shed in high numbers. There can be huge amounts of toxin that would make an adult very sick, and the infants will be totally refractory to it. And keep in mind, too, the challenge is that basically anything that alters or changes your intestinal flora can put you at risk for picking up C. diff if you're in an environment where the spores are present. It doesn't mean you're going to get the disease, but you may carry the organism, and that's why it's so important to look at patients who may carry the organism versus those who actually have the diarrhea caused by C. diff. And we actually are going to segue in our next segment talking about biomarkers for C. diff disease. So we have tests that will tell you if the organism is present, whether it carries the genes for the toxins, whether the toxin is present. But we need to find out how the host responds to infection. We need to find out whether the host is likely to relapse. We have to know, we need to know whether the normal flora is being reestablished and so forth. So I'll stop on that point and turn it back to you, Nancy. Oh, thank you, Dr. Lyerly. And Dr. Lyerly, thank you so much for um, providing the in-depth information to our global listeners today. And at this time, we're going to pause for a commercial break. And when we return, we will begin and continue discussing C. difficile diagnosis with our guests, Dr. David Lyerly and James Boone. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages from, our Clor- from Clorox Healthcare. Thank you. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The CDF Foundation offers global community support sessions. CDF can affect anyone at any age at any location in the world. Receive support from topic experts sharing information on nutrition, mental health, C. difficile prevention, treatments, and environmental safety. Get answers to your questions. You're not alone. 
Support is just a phone call or mouse click away. To register for a session, call the CDF Foundation at 919-201-1512 or visit us on the web at cdifffoundation.org. To help support the CDF Foundation, please visit our website, cdifffoundation.org forward slash donate or call toll free 1-844-4-CDF. That's 1-844-367-2343. Join us in our fight against C. diff and help us continue our mission of educating and advocating for C. diff infection prevention, treatments, and environmental safety worldwide. Through your continued support, we can continue raising C. diff awareness and help save lives. Donate today. Visit cdifffoundation.org. Thank you. Because C. difficile lives on surfaces for weeks, because it infects nearly 500,000 Americans yearly, you need disinfectants you can trust. Clorox Healthcare bleach products, cited by more studies to kill C. diff than any other products, EPA registered to kill C. diff in as fast as three minutes, trusted disinfectants to kill C. diff spores in hospitals, because even one C. diff infection is too many. Learn more at CloroxHealthcare.com. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to C. diff, spores, and more. If you have a question, please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org. Now, back to our program. Here again is your host, Nancy Kerala. Welcome back to the program, and we thank everyone for joining us today. It's a pleasure to reintroduce our guest, Dr. David Lyerly, with James Boone, here to discuss C. difficile diagnostics, and we welcome you to the program, Dr. Lyerly and James Boone. Thank you. Great to be here. Thank you very much, and thank you, Nancy, for everything you do and for the C. diff Foundation for bringing awareness to C. diff disease. Uh, well, thank you very much, Don, you know, Dan, James Boone. We really appreciate that. And, you know, I wanted to ask you, um, with your background, if you wouldn't mind taking a moment to explain what lactoferrin is. Sure. So, uh, yeah, I've been fortunate to, to be with Tech Lab for over 28 years, and, and a good portion of that's been working with biomarkers. And and lactoferrin is one of those key biomarkers that I think uh, can have a, a, a big impact uh, uh, for um, gastrointestinal diseases. So lactoferrin is a highly stable sing- single polypeptide protein. It's expressed in large amounts in activated neutrophils, and uh, those, neutro- those neutrophils increase in the mucosa uh, during acute and chronic intestinal inflammation. Uh, back in the 90s, Dr. Richard Grant at the University of Virginia, which Dr. Larry already mentioned, he, he was the first to discover the association between increased fecal lactoferrin and fecal white blood cells. And the, and the shedding of these white blood cells into the feces is an indicator of intestinal inflammation. And a lot of that early work was actually done with, um, uh, with C. diff uh, infection. Based on this patented discovery, um, we continue to develop a variety of assays, um, some to replace microscopy for fecal white blood cell count. Uh, that's kind of difficult to, to perform, uh, cells lice after eight hours, and the lactoferrin being a stable biomarker offers a nice replacement for microscopy for white blood cells. Um, 
Much of our research has been with inflammatory bowel disease, or IBD. Uh, it's an autoimmune disease, um, including Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. These diseases involve bowel inflammation that oscillates between active and inactive disease states over a patient's lifetime. IBD patients are well characterized with bowel imaging, heliocolonoscopy, histological analysis of biopsies for inflammation, providing a well-defined patient cohort uh, for validating lactoferrin as a biomarker of intestinal inflammation. And we continue and have additional studies with IBD and continue with the top medical centers now in the U.S. and Europe looking at uh, the utility of lactoferrin for measuring bowel inflammation in patients uh, suffering with C. diff disease. Okay, James, and thank you so much for explaining that to our global listeners. And why would someone look for intestinal inflammation in C. difficile patients? Yeah, that, that's a good question because, um, you know, you don't think of it routine doing colonoscopy or such for C. diff patients, but you have to remember, uh, based on the, uh, the, the, the microbiology of C. diff, they produce you know, CDF produces two toxins, toxins A and B, and both initiate pro-inflammatory cytokine cascade in the mucosa, causing neutrophil infiltration and tissue damage. Um, and even though physicians don't routinely look for bowel inflammation by colonoscopy, uh, it is more common to look for the fecal white blood cell counts uh, and, uh, of course, um, Lactoferrin is, is also a, um, a, has utility in this area. Alerting physicians to the presence of bowel inflammation by detecting elevated fecal lactoferrin, along with clinical presentation like patient history, uh, the detection of stool toxin, offers significant evidence of true C. diff case. In addition, time increasing resistant antibiotics and striving to maintain healthy flora targeting patients uh, that need treatment is, is very important. And having biomarker, biomarkers that, that help do that uh, is, is a very important thing to do. We're continuing to perform studies and publish findings to increase evidence-based support for the utility of lactoferrin uh, evaluating patients with uh, C. diff infection. Okay. Well, James, currently, how is um, a C. difficile infection, the severity, how is the severity assessed? Yeah, that's another good question because, you know, for the everyday uh, uh, clinician, it, it, it's not easy assessing a, a patient with, with um, uh, C. difficile infection. Um, it has a spectrum of, of disease from mild self-limiting to severe, uh, and most patients have comorbidities, and that makes it very complicated. Um, complications like toxic megacolon, pseudomembranes, colonic thickening, all those may be present in, in severe uh, C. diff infection. Blood biomarkers like C-reactive protein, white blood cell counts, serum albumin, creatinine levels, along with symptoms like fever, abdominal pain, number of loose stools per day, are current options for assessing uh, CDI severity. Uh, for example, white blood cell count, uh, you know, greater than 15,000 per cube millimeter, 50% increase of creatinine over baseline, albumin less than 2.5 mix, uh, mix per deciliter are all typical parameters for assessing severe cases. However, the problem is there are limitations with these assessment tools. Blood biomarkers may be elevated for inflammation 
occurring outside of the bow. A number of schools per day and school consistency are challenging information to collect for meal patients. And comorbidities like kidney disease, disease and cancer can make it extremely difficult to assess symptoms and interpret, you know, the blood biomarker results. Um, detecting elevated lactoferrin as an indicator of intestinal inflammation offers additional assessment tools uh, that really draws attention to inflammation specific to the bowel, which along with, with the other biomarkers, stool toxin and, and clinical presentation, uh, uh, can help stratify patients uh, with disease severity. Okay. Well, James, would higher levels of lactoferrin be correlated with more inflammation and therefore greater disease severity? Yes, uh, exactly. We, we've done a lot of work in this area, and, and a lot of this work has, has been done with, uh, uh, with patients uh, with inflammatory bowel disease. Uh, there's quite a bit of, of research and publications that show higher lactoferrin levels with increased endoscopic score bowel inflammation for patients with IBD. Uh, patients with more ulcerations as, as a burden of disease have higher lactoferrin levels. The levels change over time and inflammation increases and decreases, offering the tool for measuring response to treatment. Lactoferrin is now included in most in the most recent guidelines for managing patients with Crohn's disease. For C. difficile, uh, we published uh, a study with Drs. Laurie Archibald-Panion and Richard Garand at University of Virginia showing that older patients infected with highly virulent ribotype 027 had more stool toxin, higher lactoferrin indicative of more inflammation, and these patients are more likely uh, to die. So you can see where studies like this uh, identifying Patients with severe CDI for targeting treatment and improving patient outcome is very important, and it's something we continue to strive for. Okay, well, thank you, James. And we're going to switch over to Dr. Lyerly. And Dr. Lyerly, how can algorithm testing become even more accurate with confirmation of intestinal inflammation? Well, you're going to have a number of different analytes that will help tell you whether the organism there is there and whether the toxin is there. So those are good indicators. But when you incorporate lactoferrin into the story, you actually get a very good measurement of how severe it is. And we've, like Jane said, we've, we've looked at a number of patients over the years. We've looked at lactoferrin levels, correlated those with clinical outcomes, uh, looking at other markers of inflammation, see how they correlate. And it all uh, works out well to really identify those patients who are severe, who need treatment immediately. If, if I were a C. diff patient and I was known to be positive for organism and for the toxin, I would love to have a, a lactoferrin test run on me to, to figure out how severe it is. Uh, we think it's a very good indicator for that. Okay, and Dr. Lyerly, how do cor- comorbidities impact a clinical diagnosis of CDI? I'm going to let uh, James uh, look at that. He's a little more familiar with uh, the recent papers looking at those kinds of things? Sure, sure. So, so um, comorbidities like inflammatory bowel disease, um, you know, they can also suffer with CDI. It's actually in the guidelines to, to screen for C. difficile infection when a patient is flaring with disease. And it's very important to identify this because an IBD patient with C. diff uh, infection uh, they have higher rates of colectomy. 
both IBD and, and, C, and C. diff disease involve bowel inflammation and determining whether the patient is suffering with a flare versus an infection from C. difficile is very important to making sure you, you optimize treatment. Uh, anti-inflammatory for the flaring IBD or antibiotics for the C. diff. Um, in a recent study, collaborative study we did with Dr. Sorrentino and researchers at Caribbean Clinic um, and was presented at last Digestive Disease Week, um, the study was interesting because we looked at, um, you know, a C. diff infection in IBD patients and IBD patients that were PCR only versus stool toxin uh, uh, they tended to be colonized and uh, were suffering from a flare of IBD, and they responded to their anti-inflammatory therapy. And then patients that had stool toxin and other parameters, they, they responded to antibiotics. So uh, it was a key study to show in a very difficult patient group where you need to use a variety of biomarkers, and the, the, the ultimate goal is to, you know, identify uh, whether it's a flare of IBD or, or C. diff. Another, another complicating issue is post-infectious IBS. Um, you know, so patients get a gastrointestinal infection, uh, and the infection's long gone. They still may have a non-inflammatory uh, irritable bowel syndrome-like condition. And, and being able to, to differentiate this from an infection of C. difficile uh, in, in cases like recurrent CDI is something uh, researchers like Dr. Sihil Khan at the Mayo Clinic uh, have published and continues to, 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 to research this area. Uh, uh, all of this is very important. Absolutely. And James and Dr. Lyerly, we thank you so much for providing the in-depth information with our global listeners today. Um, at this time, we're going to pause for a commercial break. When we return, we will be reviewing the key points discussed today with our guests, Dr. David Lyerly and James Boone. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages from our sponsor, Clorox Healthcare. <music> Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Because C. difficile lives on surfaces for weeks, because it infects nearly 500,000 Americans yearly, you need disinfectants you can trust. Clorox Healthcare bleach products, cited by more studies to kill C. diff than any other products. EPA registered to kill C. diff in as fast as three minutes. Trusted disinfectants to kill C. diff spores in hospitals, because even one C. diff infection is too many. Learn more at CloroxHealthcare.com. The C. diff Foundation offers global community support sessions. C. diff can affect anyone at any age at any location in the world. Receive support from topic experts sharing information on nutrition, mental health, C. difficile prevention, treatments, and environmental safety. Get answers to your questions. You're not alone. Support is just a phone call or mouse click away. To register for a session, call the C. diff Foundation at 919-201-1512 or visit us on the web at cdifffoundation.org. Have you done any of these things today? Exited a restroom? Entered and exited a patient's room? Visited a doctor's office? Have you done this today? Washed your hands? 
Hand washing remains the single most important task of the day. It takes soap, water, a minimum of 30 seconds, and a clean dry towel to turn off faucets and dry hands to stop giving germs a free ride. Keep safe from germs worldwide. Hand washing, number one in infection prevention. For additional information on hand washing instructions, visit cdifffoundation.org. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. are listening to C. diff spores and more if you have a question please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org now back to our program here again is your host nancy Kerala. well welcome back to our program and we thank all of our listeners joining us today it's a pleasure to reintroduce our guest dr david lyerly and james boone who are joining us today to discuss c difficile diagnosis welcome back to the program dr lyerly and james Thank you. Thank you. Well, you are so welcome. And it is um, my uh, inquiry, uh, if James wouldn't mind starting off, if you can uh, tell us a little bit about the key points of this program and if you'd like to share any closing comments before we end the program today. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. And I, I think, uh, you know, everyone involved uh, with CDF research, uh, um, diagnostic uh, therapy development, uh, physicians uh, and patients and family, everyone is working towards the same goal. Uh, and, and that's to, to um, support these patients have CDF and, and hopefully decrease the spread um, and better diagnose and treat. And, and so I think additional biomarkers for CDF like lactoferrin and toxin and and, and honing in on, on what other biomarkers uh, may be useful to better identify who has disease are all going to be valuable in the future. And um, I think that's, that's an area of, of uh, continued research. Absolutely. And David, um, would you like to add to that um, about the lactoferrin before we close the, pro- the program? Yeah, I, I think that we certainly need to look uh, more closely at host biomarkers. Uh, we think there are a number of them out there that could be used, and we're continuing to work in that effort. But I actually would like to, to wrap up uh, my portion by raising a few questions, if I could. Uh, first of all, Nancy, thanks for putting this all together. Thanks to all those who are listening. Uh, I want to say something that's very obvious. CDF continues to be a challenge for our healthcare system. It will continue to do so. Back in 2003, Tracy Wilkins and I wrote a review article for the Journal of Clinical Micro. It was entitled Clostridium Difficile Testing After 20 Years Still Challenging. I think we could write a review article 2019 and have the same title except, say, after 35 years still challenging. So what I can tell you is that since 2003, since that last review article that we did, we and others have been using newer technology We've got more tests available, and we have a more accurate way to diagnose this disease. But the whole picture for this disease still remains to be put together. So we're making progress, but there's a huge amount of work to be done. And I want to end with a sampling of questions about what we don't know yet. So there's some good news and some bad news. 
The bad news is we have a lot of questions to answer. The good news is there are researchers, scientists around the world working on these things. For example, why does C. diff cause such a wide range of uh, infection? It can just live in your gut for a pretty good while without doing anything, or it may cause fulminant colitis and kill you. We always have to remember that the presence of the organism in toxin does not equal disease. Uh, also, even though there's a lot of work going on for the microbiome in the gut, we still don't understand how our normal flora actually protects us from C. diff. We are of the opinion that C. diff is primarily an inflammatory disease. Is it the inflammation that makes it so severe so quickly in some patients? Spores, that's a big unknown at this point. There are people working on spores, but are they really the missing link when it comes to understanding and controlling infection? Um, we don't know yet whether C. diff could be a foodborne illness or whether it could be transferred by animals. Uh, there are, is work going on with that. So one thing I want to end up with is that we know C. diff is the primary cause of antibiotic-associated diarrhea, but I want to clarify that statement further. We know it's the primary identified cause of antibiotic-associated diarrhea. In most places, you're going to see C. diff at rates of 20% or less, usually closer to 10. What that means is that there is 80 or 90% that we don't really understand. So we have a ways to go before we more fully understand what actually happens in our gut once we mess up the normal flora. So I will end with that point and turn it back over to you, Nancy. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Lyerly. And we still have about four minutes left before we close the program. And I just wanted to ask you, are you doing any research on some of the questions that you just shared? Uh, yes. As a matter of fact, uh, research that we do at Tech Lab, you know, our emphasis is on developing uh, diagnostics for this organism. Uh, but we're working on all of these things. We're trying to figure out what changes actually go on in the gut? And, uh, you know, when you take an antibiotic, the antibiotics we now have are so potent that they're basically sterilizing the valve. So there's a good way for C. diff to get in. But what we don't understand is when you have a norovirus infection with the severe diarrhea that can occur with norovirus, that probably results in a pretty significant change. I think there's data out there supporting that. Uh, how... How far do we have to go messing up the normal flora before we actually become more susceptible to C. diff? Once it gets in there, we don't understand what nutrients it's, it's utilizing to grow, what actually turns on toxin production. We could do a lot of things that are tested, but there are huge areas that we don't understand about the metabolism of C. diff in the gut. Um, we, in the past, we've worked with infants trying to understand how in the world they don't get sick. Uh, we've looked at levels of toxin, we've looked at levels of organism, and we know for a fact that, they, that infants less than one year of age can have levels that in an adult person would come close to killing that person. So we don't understand that yet. Uh, there's work going on by Tom Riley's group in Australia and through parts of Asia where they're looking at whether or not C. diff can be a foodborne pathogen, and if so, what's doing the transmission? Uh, there are some studies that are pointing to an association of C. diff with animals. Uh, that's only now getting started. 
And then we have always been interested in what's causing the other 80% of antibiotic-associated diarrhea in hospitals. Uh, you know, some of those are certainly going to be caused by laxatives or uh, medications or so forth. But we think there are other pathogens that, that can certainly do things like that. Uh, Clenciella staph, although people don't tend to think of them as causing pseudomembranous colitis, there are documented uh, cases where both of those are certainly associated with pseudomembranes in the gut. So there's a lot that we are working on. Uh, we collaborate with a lot of experts around the world trying to keep up to date with all of this. Uh, as you can imagine, there are huge numbers of publications, articles, book chapters, reviews coming out. So it's very difficult to do that. That's what makes it so valuable to have something like you put together with the Expo. You're bringing everything together. You get a chance to uh, get the experts in the same room, talk about conditions, questions, and so forth. So that's why those types of meetings are so important. Well, I thank you so much, Thank you, Dr. Larley. And the contact information to learn more about Tech Lab is www.techlab, T-E-C-H-L-A-B dot com. Also, you can uh, email is spores and more at techlab.com. And lactoferrin, L-A-C-T-O-F-E-R-R-I-N, testing.com. And at this time, Dr. Lyerly and James Boone, we would like to thank you so much for joining us today on C. diff spores and more. And we are grateful for your dedication in helping others reach their goals and making positive changes and having your um, dedication to testing that will help create a better world uh, worldwide and helping to save lives. And at this time, the members of the C. diff Foundation wish to acknowledge all of the organizations around the globe who are dedicated to improving health and preventing and treatment and protecting the gut microbiome and address, addressing environmental safety worldwide. To learn more about C. difficile infection and recurrent C. difficile infection, clinical trials in progress, and how you may be able to take part in this, please visit the C. diff Foundation's website, which is www.cdifffoundation.org. Click on the tab, Clinical Trials in Progress, and we thank you so much for helping them to help you to help others. At this time, we'd like to extend our gratitude to Pfizer for being the diamond sponsor of the 7th Annual International C. diff Awareness Conference and Health Expo. As Dr. Lyerly and James Boone you know, very kindly uh, were stating, it takes place on November 6th and 7th in St. Louis, Missouri this year at the Doubletree Westport Hotel. We're grateful for all the corporate exhibiting sponsors who are joining us in November. We look forward to learning more with you. For conference information and registration, please visit the Seed Foundation's website. We're grateful for the international keynote speakers joining us for the two-day conference also. And we send out our get well wishes to all the patients being treated and recovering from a C. difficile infection and the many wellness training illnesses being combated across the globe. I'm your host, Nancy Corrala, and our reminder is none of us can do this alone. All of us can do this together. We wish you good health, continued healing, and a good day. Thank you for tuning in this week for C. diff, spores, and more. Be sure to join your host, Nancy Kerala, again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 1 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition of our program on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. None of us can do this alone. All of us can do this together.